if you sell and you can't average 10% cash on cash return, you've, you've done a pretty poor job. And I would call that a failure overall. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always on these Wednesdays, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm having a great day. How about you, Todd? Oh, man, that's fantastic. Congrats on the great day. I'm having a fantastic day too, man. It's uh, Every day is a Saturday, as it goes, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, love it. Love it. Well, we just got back from... Uh, touring properties in uh, in Lexington and Kentucky. We looked at a couple of, of properties. We have uh, have an opportunity to purchase. We'll see where those go. Of course, you just never know. We're still buyers, even though the market's kind of crazy. Uh, so many unknowns. We talked about that in the podcast. We'll talk about it again in the future, but there's a lot of unknowns going on, but we're still net buyers. Uh, so looking to expand and grow, just obviously very strategically and carefully right now. So uh, that was great. Toured several of our buildings uh, that we've got in Lexington and Kentucky. We've got a new one, Matt, that we're uh, closing on here in about a month. Um, and so we we actually just did our, our capital raise, um, which was really cool because we filled that in 24 hours. So that was mm. really fun. Um, that was a, it was a 506 so we weren't able to advertise or anything. So we just sent it out to our, you know, our current kind of investor network and people that are on our, on our investor list as prospective investors that we've had, you know, conversations with and uh, have talked with before, but uh, yeah, we were able to fill it really quick, which was, which was fun. So, um, but always great to get to these properties and kind of see the progress that's happening uh, it's funny, you know, we were just talking about that. Um, we we're talking about hiring an asset manager and maybe we should do one of these uh, podcast episodes soon on asset management. We were talking about hiring an asset manager and because we are our asset managers. Um, my, myself, I kind of, kind of run it, but uh, Matt and Drew, my partners also really help out a lot with the asset management. It's funny when we, we go to these properties and you just walk and it's, it's interesting and I think it was Drew that said this, there's a saying out there that if there's a piece of trash at the property or somewhere, there's a piece of trash and an employee walks by it and they don't pick it up. Once they walk by it three times, they'll never pick it up. It just becomes a part of a fixture. It's a fixture of the property. Hmm. They don't see it anymore. And that goes with trash. That goes with probably peeling paint or you know, whatever it is, they just don't see it anymore because they're so used to it. They've trained their eye that this is what they're supposed to see. And so it's always good to have an eye that's not at the property very often or ever on a daily basis, at least go by there and go, Hey, you see this, see this, see this, we need to take care of this. This isn't how we want to do things. Um, you know, just and even, even gentle reminders of this is how we run our, our operations. So. Always good to be able to do that. No, important to create that culture of caring where the employees take ownership of their situation. 100%. It drives me nuts to see 
it's part, probably a part of my, you know, ADHD. It just drives me nuts to see like the, the little things bother me. It's like, just clean it up. It doesn't take very long. Pick up the trash. You know, there's a mattress sitting there. I know a resident dumped it. It's not you that did it, but that, that mattress is sitting outside of the dumpster enclosure looks horrible. Mm -hmm. Let's take and move that inside the dumpster enclosure. It looks like, it looks, looks trashy. We look like we have a, a property that nobody wants to live at. Um, so let's take care of it. I want my properties. They don't have to be perfect, but I want them to be uh, very visually appealing to people. Yep. Awesome. Um, well, all right. So that's not what we were talking about today, Matt, what are we going to cover? We are going to be talking about why some real estate investors fail. Yeah, man. So first of all, I think it's really important to understand that most real estate investors don't fail. Um, it's very rare to see a failing real estate investor. And I think uh, there's, there's um, probably more failure in certain types of real estate than others. So quickly, we should probably cover that. And then we can get dive into the reasons because these reasons, quite frankly, are they're associated with all types, whether you're buying a multifamily building or a retail center or an office or a single family house, you'll fail if you don't, if you, if you do these types of things. But uh, when we look at the failure rates of, of buildings, and I would call failing a couple things. Foreclosure, of course, is, is the most obvious failure if you get foreclosed on, uh, but also selling at a loss is a failure or even just selling and making very little profit or holding and making very little to no profit. You know, if you're not making, if you own your real estate and you're not able to make at least 10% on your money, now I'm not saying you have to make 10% cash on cash return. Maybe that's five, 6%, 7%, 8%. But if you sell and you can't average 10% cash on cash return, You've, you've done a pretty poor job. And I would call that a failure overall, hmm. right? So when I look at the property types and I look at the, the highest level of failure, um, and there's a reason for this, and, and that's some of these things we'll talk about, but the highest level for, for failure is going to be in single family homes and duplexes. Okay. Um, you look at the last foreclosures, the crisis, you know, Five six percent of uh, of single family homes got foreclosed on, where less than one half of a percent of multifamily got foreclosed on. Five plus units is multifamily. Um, so single family homes, multifamily is definitely one of the lowest, along with industrial. Um, retail is fairly low. Office is creeping up. It's definitely been on the higher radar um, recently, um, but. Most commercial overall, Matt, is pretty low on the foreclosure rate. And I would say probably pretty low. And these aren't statistics, I guess, but pretty low on the, the failure rate, how I just earlier defined it. Yep. And that's fair. And I, I like your point about the small stuff. I mean, I think there's just isn't enough cushion with the single families and duplexes and that kind of thing to handle it when things go wrong. Yeah. So that's a big reason people fail is the cushion. Okay. And so single family, there's not enough cushion. 
And I would say the other thing is most people aren't running it like a business. So those are two of the things that we'll hit on both of those. So first of all, the cushion, what do you mean by cushion, Matt? Well, if there's, you know, if something has enough cash flow to cover your expenses, uh, you know, that's great. And when you have more units, there's, there's more, uh, you know, cash flow as a result. But I think it's more over, you know, with a single family, if you don't have a tenant in there, or if you have a tenant who's non-paying, you have essentially a 0%, uh, you know, income that's coming in. Mm -hmm. And, and then <laughs> what happens then? Cause you still have all your bills that you got to pay. Yeah. Uh, and uh, th then it just goes downhill. And if it's a duplex and you've got, uh, you know, one vacant unit and, and one occupied, uh, then you've got a 50%. Whereas if you've got a hundred unit place and there's one unit not paying rent or is vacant, you got a 99% vacancy or I'm sorry, 99% occupancy. And, and, and so like one unit doesn't make a difference uh, in that large multifamily. Yeah. Yeah. We'll stick with multifamily, but this is very similar to commercial as well. You know, commercial rents by the square footage. And so it's very similar. Uh, if you got more square feet, you got better income, you've got better chance of, of getting, you know, profitability. Uh, the, uh, but, the, but with, with um, commercial too, I, single bay always would make me nervous. Single tenant would always make me nervous because if that tenant goes away, you know, then we're left with the entire building vacant. So I, uh, I like the idea of multiple tenants. But there is an advantage of having a single tenant with a, with a um, commercial. And so it's a slightly different than single family. But either way, it's, it's all about the square footage of the property. So when, when I look at a single family, you know, you, you've got 1,000 to 3,000 square feet for most rentals. Where if I look at an apartment building, you know, you got 100,000, 200,000, 300,000 square feet. You look at a commercial space, you know, you got 50,000 to, to 200, 300,000 square feet. You know, so we got a lot more square footage, um, which again, that that's going to allow you to have more cushion there. Um, the cushion is your cash, right? Your cash at hand. Uh, that that's another big cushion. And so why people fail, they don't, all right, we'll stick, we'll stick with kind of your general thesis first, which is hundred percent accurate. People fail because they don't have the cushion because, it, you know, let's call single family home. And it, this could go to any kind of deal, but you have more expenses than what you oftentimes think, right? Uh, it's so easy to for those expenses to add up. Let's think about it. Uh, and this is a true story. This is me. This is one of my properties. True story. Okay. Uh, luckily, I had a portfolio, so I was able to cover the negatives with other properties. Okay. So this property, we had a, a sewer line that broke, and we had to dig up the street. Uh, sorry, dig up the the yard and part of the street to fix this sewer line. It was $12,000, okay? Just a couple of years later, I had uh, a roof that needed to be replaced. So that was, uh, I think it was like $6,000. I think it was two years after that, the same year, I had a refrigerator, a stove, and a water heater go out, okay? Hmm. So this is all within like a four to five year time period. I had a $12,000 repair. I had a $6,000 repair. And then, you know, fridge, uh, stove, and water heater, call that you know, maybe roughly $2,000. Okay. So I have $20,000 worth of expenses on that property. 
That's a single family home. I got $20,000 worth of expenses. I did not make income. You know, that income on that single family home was about $5,000 a year. Okay. So that wipes out my income, Matt, for not one year, not two years, not three years, but four years, I finally break even on that property. Now, I thought I was doing really well in that single family house, right? I'm making 5,000 bucks a year. I'm making that year over year over year. And all of a sudden this happens. And now I've got $20,000 worth of expenses over a small period of time. I make no money. Oh, how frustrating. And you got to be thinking to yourself, man, when is this going to end? Like what's next? And think Matt, if most single family owners, and I'll see a lot of people think about their cash flow is what they've got on paper. Okay. But it's actually what reality happens is what comes in your pocket. So most people that own single family homes are probably making one to 300 bucks a month. Okay. So if you're making that let's call it in the middle, 200 bucks a month, you're making $2,400 a year. If you have $20,000 worth of expenses that happen in a short time period, you know, you're looking at eight years just to break even, just to break even. So that's the scary thing to me about small properties is that they can quickly erode your cash flow. Where if I've got a sewer repair on a multi-unit building and it's uh, 200 units and it's cost me $12,000, that's nothing, right? I, I take $12,000 to divide it by 200. I got 50 bucks a unit. Yeah, with, works with, a, with a single family, you generally don't plan to have $20,000 worth of reserve sitting there in a bank to handle right. expenses. So that's, that leads us to cash. What do you have in cash reserves? So with a single family house, you definitely need to have a larger portion of cash reserves than what you do with a multifamily. As far as percentage wise of your income, right? Or yeah, your, your NOI, okay? So when I look at the NOI and I look at, so with my multifamily, we look at, we want at minimum, we want six months worth of reserve on our mortgage payment. Okay, so if I take my mortgage payment, I want minimum of to be able to pay that for six months. That's a very minimum. It depends on the property and what's going on. I usually am more like nine to 12 months. Okay, but if I've got a really, really good pristine condition property and, and all that, six months might do it. But we're looking at six to nine, up to 12 months. With a single family home, I really believe you should probably have about 18 to 24 months worth of reserves. If you if you want to actually be successful. Most people do not even come close to that. Okay. So that's my thought is I would like to see probably closer to that 24 months worth of mortgage payments set aside, sitting in an escrow account, right? It can be an interest bearing account. You can put it in a money market. You can even invest it in, you know, I guess if you invest it in stocks, it's a little riskier, but you can invest it in, you know, some safer investments. Um, so you're not just sitting on just a ton of cash, but cash is king, right? Cash is king. Warren Buffett right now is sitting on billions and billions of dollars worth of cash. I think uh, like a ton of, like, it's not just Warren Buffett, his companies, they're sitting on billions of dollars, like hundreds of billions of dollars of cash right now. 
They do it for a reason. Cash is king. And when things get rough, cash takes care of those issues. Yep. And also when the opportunities come knocking, then uh, you're ready to answer those. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, but you know, it's Matt, as far as a, a multifamily investors, look, I'm, I'm a multifamily investor, Matt. Um, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a real estate investor. I syndicate, right? And so I have to show my investors good returns. My investors want to see that we've got good returns. Well, I can make my returns look really a lot more attractive, Matt, if I reduce my reserve account. And we're doing a, a, a deal, like I said, we've got a million dollars worth of reserves or nearly a million dollars worth of reserves. Nearly a million dollars worth of reserves. If I made those reserves, I could be on the aggressive side and probably drop those reserves down to $200,000. Most of my investors wouldn't even blink. They wouldn't know that I'm being super aggressive. They wouldn't think, oh, he just dropped it to 200,000. Wow, ooh, I don't wanna be in this deal. No, most of them don't even see that. Cause I wouldn't, if I did that, if I was that type of person, I probably wouldn't even really mention it to them. I'd like, oh, we get some reserves, you know, kind of glaze over it really quick. But what happens there is my returns look really good because now I have to raise less money because we're if we have a million dollars worth of reserves, we got to raise all that million dollars from our investors. But if I drop that down to, let's call it 200,000, now I only have to raise 200,000. I save $800,000. That means my all my returns are based on, instead of 5 million, they're based on 4.2 million. My all of a sudden, my investor returns go from a 16 IRR to 17 IRR, 17 and a half IRR. It looks really good. But their money is highly at risk because I don't have enough cash to stand the any kind of variation going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any, any other pandemic that happens and people stop paying rent, uh, yeah. <laughs> natural disaster. I mean whatever things are that are out of control uh, can happen. And then your limited reserves that you, you know, have in that kind of situation get dried up super quick. And then, yep. and then what, like you, you try to do a cash call or you have to sell uh, prematurely. I mean, yeah, it's a fail. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're sitting there in, in panic and, and trust me, you know, guys and gals listening, like the, the money can go fast. I've been with, I, I, I've, purchase properties where we've had problems and that money can rip really quickly. And all of a sudden those cushy reserves that you thought you had are gone. So if you, you have, make sure you feel like you have way too much reserves. You never want to feel like, do I, oh, I got a, do I, do I have enough reserves? If you're questioning, if you have enough reserves, you don't have enough reserves. Mm. I always have to feel like I've got too much in reserves that's a better position to be in. So, next thing, Matt, cash flow, right? We've already kind of talked about it, point, point one, but cash flow, you need to be making money on cash flow. That's how people fail in real estate, is they think that a real estate investment is about buying a property that appreciates in value, and eventually they're going to get that value out of it, and then they'll sell it, and then they'll be rich. Okay. But they forget the probably number one thing for successful real estate investing is cash flow. You have to have cash flow. 
Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and also look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.